Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome to the Business Black Belt Podcast. We go deep with nonprofit and entrepreneurs, their story and what has made them successful and how they got their black belt in business. I'm Jean Long and I'm joined today by Matt Baxter from Wedge HR. He joins the podcast to talk about a little bit of everything. Let's get to it. I guess if you had to just, if, if someone asked you to describe yourself or if someone asked you, like when you were in college, did you know you wanted to be entrepreneurial? Did you, you know, I, you know, I don't, I've had the great pleasure of working in nonprofits on a, and projects that meant a lot to me and was happy to sort of, uh, I used to say I'm sort of like Mary Poppins. I'd come in with the West Wind and when you didn't even need me anymore, off I go to the next place that really needed me um, or, or needed what I could do operationally. So, um, but did you know that? Did you, like, if you had to describe yourself, is entrepreneur one of the things, one of the adjectives you'd use? Um, and has that changed at all? I, in one sense, I love the term entrepreneur. In the other sense, it uh, seems like everybody in this world is trying to justify why they are one. Right. Um, so I would say, an on, uh, yes, I'm an entrepreneur, but I probably think it's more of a byproduct of some other traits that I think I carry. So, what I mean by that is like my, um, I think it's strengths finders or strengths quest. I don't, one of them, uh, one of the definitions or one of my strengths was activator. And it's basically the definition is more what I, what I care about is uh, taking somebody from concept and getting it to the step where it's tangible in some way, shape or form. So right. that could be an idea to a business. That could be a project to launch. That could be a person to a sale, whatever that may be. Um, so that probably aligns with a lot of entrepreneurs, that skill set or that uh, understanding or way they, they view the world. But I would say probably one of the most foundational skills that I have is I like to take something or take an idea or take something and just literally what, it, what do we have to do to get to the next step, which is an awesome skill and I love that I have that, but I'm not necessarily one to take it to follow on steps. So it's something very like books, very good at starting 10 different books, bite-sized information that I can take and do something with. And then I need to go do something with, I don't necessarily see things all the way through and definitely in kind of growing and maturing or learning hard lessons. Um, definitely can be the, Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. And it's like, okay, None of these are good ideas if you can't do anything. So kind of picking and focusing. But the question around, do I define myself as an entrepreneur? Yes, I would probably say I, I, I like ideas and I like taking ideas to the point where it's either a step worth taking or not worth taking. I think that's probably something that I like to probably refer to myself more. Um, so so how do you helpful. manage in the day to day knowing sort of you like that? Because um, I think early on, I was the same way. Like I liked the hunt and I liked the... I didn't, you know, inside of nonprofit fundraising, you have to, it's all relationship based, right? Everybody says, you know, nonprofit fundraising is sales and sales is the same as it's not. It's, there's processes that can help both things, but it's really very, there's very little transaction, transactional uh, process. And there should be very little transactional process. Sometimes event-based stuff gets transactional, but by and large, it's relationship-based. And I found that early on, I wanted to identify and I wanted to ask for the business, but I didn't want to be around to, you know, necessarily 
steward the donor when this was all done sure. because I was on to the next shiny thing to your point. So how do you mean, I know what I had to do to like sort of get over that and get around it. And what it really did was me flipping my process to build the relationship first and then ask uh, and then solicit and put stewardship first, which was a, an intentional thing that I did, I don't know, probably 12 years ago. I really sat down and said like, to get where I wanna be in, inside of this line, especially in the corporate line, uh, you have to build a relationship first. So what did you do? Like, how do you, how do, knowing what you know, like how do you manage that or do you, do you? Yeah, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how much I try to manage it well i'll give a caveat to that i, I don't know how I, I probably try to double down on it more meaning like how to bite size that into things that i can do in the company so like for example that very well might be hey guys we have this project because we talked about this with a customer and now we need to build this in order to get this through holistically i might not be the person to be like let's take the whole thing and take the next step that but what i might need to do is go to a team member who doesn't want to deal with the deadline and say hey Let's not worry about the deadline right now. The very, the most important thing is what can we do today to get done today, and how can I help you do maybe a little bit more than what you thought you could do, or what, whatever and that might be, right? How, how big is your team at Wedge? Uh, we just passed fifteen. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's fun. It's fun. It was it was yeah. four a year ago, so it's uh, get a lot a lot of growth, which has been awesome. So it's sure. still a small company for sure, but yeah, it's it's growing. Um, but then I yeah, I, and then. The caveat to some of that is like there are just some things that I do need to see all the way through. So like I actually enjoy it. like we different than nonprofit fundraising, but we've raised a couple rounds of funding with Wedge, and um, that's something that you just need to see all the way through. Um, and that's something that like that's yeah, a that's project, and we got to get all. Well, they're taking it. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And so um, you know there are some that are certainly important. And there are some that I'm just kind of like screw it. I got to. I just got to go do this. Um, right. And that's you know part of the game. But I think more how I do it is like, how can I help take a person, a team, a culture, a project, a sale, say, let's get it to the next level. Let's get it to the next level. Sometimes the next level may be me to take it to the next level, but, or sometimes it might be, okay, I've gotten to the point where I can remove myself and I trust, or I've equipped, or I can help somebody who can take it all the way through or are better at it than I am or should be. Um, which is, that's, that's probably where I spend a lot of my time is focusing on how to kind of bite size that next step or whatever, whatever it is. When you're, when you're hiring for your team, um, are you part of that process? Are you still part of the process or do you have someone who's just sort of like, here are the candidates, tell me what you think and the final interviews with you? I think I've recruited all but one of every person on our team. So it's me either I've known them and said, Hey, let's have you jump on. Or it's, Hey, we need to hire uh, two engineers. For example, I found them on LinkedIn, reached out and said, Hey, we're a startup here in town. We're looking to hire, you know, would love to have a conversation. would love to have you go through a video interview that whole, you know, I, I, I for the most part, um, for sure, deeply involved where I step out a little bit is once it gets technical, it would be like, Patrick, our CTO would be, Hey, found this candidate. Who's great. I had a conversation with them. They're interested in hearing more. And now it gets to a point where it needs to have some technical chops. Patrick, will you take and get to know them and see, Hey, is the technical skill set there? So that would be sometimes a little bit of our, of our realm, but for the most part, I'm pretty much in the process all the way through. What's your, uh, sort of go-to favorite interview question. Um, it's interesting. I, I try to not have an interview be like a podcast because a lot of it's just like, 
tell me about yourself and then I'm going to I'm going to ask questions in the midst of that. I think um, one of my favorite questions for people, but also one of my favorite interview questions is like when time feels like it's going away in the best way possible. And you're like, what a minute, what was I just doing? I totally zoned in. What does that look like? Or what is that? And That's what I try to also preface. Yeah. And, and what I also try to preface is to be clear, this doesn't have to be all at work. Like if your motivation is elephants, your motivation is whatever, right. knowing that so that somehow in the back of my head is how can I build uh incentive to support that right or how can i build a culture how can i check in on those things whatever it is but i think one of the questions that i just love to know is and it kind of goes with the, my personal podcast is like what gets you out of bed in the morning but also tailor around like okay when when you're in the zone and you're mentally flowing what is it that you're doing that gets you to that place i, I love hearing that i love answers well, when you're in the zone, when you're in the zone what what what's that look like for you like is it that that time in the morning that when you're just completely focused or is there another time like i i used to work with somebody who um would call me after his runs he'd go out for a run at, at lunch and he'd call me back he's like listen i just ran for an hour and here's 20 things that i just thought of and you know he he'd either write him down i don't know he somehow remembered but he he was in the zone every day while he was running um i swim a lot i I'm in a zone, but it's nothing. It's that exactly what you said was you, you get out. I just, I set my watch and when 45 minutes is up, I, I'm done swimming. I don't care how fast I yeah. went, I don't care how long I went. As long as I'm swimming 45 minutes with very few stops, sometimes to suck wind. Uh, <laughs> totally. I'm with you. Good. 45 minutes is a long time to swim. So good for you. <laughs> catch somebody out like in the next lane. I'm like, I can keep up with them. I, I can, oh, yeah. <laughs> they get out of the pool and they've got flippers on and they're like, you know, 12. And I'm like, I can't keep up with them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, the lifeguard always checks on me though. So what's that? What's the zone? What's the zone for you? Yeah. So, um, have you heard of the, uh, there's an article out there about beer time versus coffee time. Have you heard about it? I have not. I'll send it to you. We can link okay. in the show link. Yeah. So whoever listened, it's awesome. It's basically around like coffee time is kind of the, you're caffeinated, getting stuff done, checklist, 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 right? So that's my morning time of that. The beer time is like, hey, we're still working. We're still talking, but it's more like creative or collaborative or ideas. It's not like I have to get this done, but it's a, what if we did this sort of attitude, right? For lack of better terms. So oddly enough, um, the whole flow state where when time disappears, for a creative total flow state to me, a lot of times it's on a Sunday afternoon taking my dog for a walk when I'm smoking a cigar. I have no idea why, but it's just like that is just all like I, I just am kind of mentally in this like thoughts are clear. I can go down rabbit holes without being distracted. Um, and it's like kind of like shower thoughts, if you will, where it's right, like, right. man, I just had this idea. It's kind of that for, could be an hour, could be two hours, could be 10 minutes. But that I have found to be is like the, if I just need to like, like there's times where it's like, I am stressed and I need to solve a problem. That's more like coffee time, right? That's like, I, I gotta figure out how, like we have, we have to get an outcome. The, wait a minute, we might be able to disrupt XYZ or we might be able to change XYZ or what if we went, this way with this partnership that's the sort of a lot of times yeah sunday saturday afternoon weekend could be during the week but it's a uh, typically taking a walk by myself nice day or whatever and i enjoy cigars every once in a while so it kind of falls in the hand with that so. what kind of dog do you have matt 
I have a golden retriever. You do? Girl, Her boy. name is Penny. Penny? Yep. Oh, nice. Yep, yep. Lady, yeah. lady, pop. I got her when she was eight weeks, and she just turned six. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. yep, yep, she's yeah. been around, so it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing better. Like, uh, I'm. We have a lot of conservation land in our area, and um, you know, every once in a while, you think like, do I need to be out three hours from the road by myself? But we have a hundred pound Estrella Mountain Dog who, um, he's he's just a big baby, but. He looks, <laughs> he looks scary. So looks, looks uh, intimidated. Yeah, Penny. Penny will definitely cuddle you to death. But she's got yeah. a. If you didn't see her, she's got a bark. So it's yeah. one of those like perfect combinations where it's like yeah. you know, yeah. if Chuck. somebody comes to the house, it's the best. Oh yeah, uh, I I was surprised. He he somehow went out the door yesterday. There's a, um, you know, I went to UMass. My husband went to UConn. So we live in Connecticut, and every other person on the planet has a husky. And I don't. Uh, he must, Chuck must favor his UMass roots because he went out the door and barked at a husky yesterday like it was his <laughs> job. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, the only other thing that I wanted to ask you, like, uh, not the only other thing, but so when you're sort of, uh, you juggle a lot of balls, you know, lot, lots of stuff in the air as a, as a you know, founder and CEO, how do you know, and, and you know, this was one of my interview questions, is that in a in startup culture, you find yourself doing things like maybe not in your job description or you kind of, it's one of the reasons I liked it so much is because you wake up in the morning and sometimes you don't know exactly what's going to happen during the day and myriad things happen. I know I'm singing to the choir. Um, but if you're juggling a lot of balls and you know which ones you can bounce because they're rubber, which ones in your life are like glass that you know you can't drop and that like how do you manage that that balancing act of knowing like this is something that's you know can't be dropped and this these are things that I know I can let go by the wayside momentarily maybe and when did you get a feel for that as a CEO like did it did you draw an experience from a landscaping company when you went into wedge um, what's that look like so, um, I think probably the biggest two, I guess two, um, the biggest, the biggest, you know, if I'm going to drop a ball, what would be sort of the, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to not let that happen. There's two, I think one, it's being somebody of integrity. That's just a personal thing of, um, you know, there are, there are gray areas to that. So being somebody of integrity is. I'm going to be honest with what we can do. I'm going to be honest with what we can sell. I'm going to be honest when I say I'm going to do things. I'm going to do it to the best that I possibly can. The gray area is sometimes we say a deadline and we miss a deadline. Does that make me somebody that's not of integrity? No, but that's something that kills me when that happens. And it right. does. It, it happens. Um, so I think, number one, uh, the outcome, financial success, worldly success, any of it, single-handedly is not worth a single penny to me if I can't do it with integrity um, and I can't be surrounded by people that I also feel like have that similar level of integrity in certain, you know, in, in, in kind of the foundation areas. I think the other thing too um, is I try to not let, um, I try not to make big decisions. Typically, I try not to make 
big decisions on negative emotions or outlash at people. So I'm not afraid to swear a lot. I'm not afraid to, you know, do that. But what I don't say is I don't say F you to anybody. And I, I, I won't do that, right? I try not to ever uh, blow up in a form of anger at somebody at the team. Now, I've had heated discussions and challenge debates. Uh, Patrick and I have had some very heated discussions. Uh, Theo, our company president, him and I have very heated discussions. I'm not a, like, it's not a confrontation thing, but I don't believe that there's any world that it makes sense to come in and scream and yell at an employee. Now, I think there's a time to have intense fellowships and clarity. And sometimes you need to say, hey, here are my clear cut expectations, but you can do so in a format sure. of not anger, right? And so I also, now, flip side of that, I understand some of the stress and the pressure. We just closed the funding round. So we now have not just our own world, but we have outside pressure of this is not just a fun idea. Let's go do what we can. This is a, we have a certain set of expectations that we have to perform on with people that support us, but it is not my job. And I don't think it motivates that many people to come in and, and scream and yell at people. And so one, I guess two things, number one, it's being somebody of integrity. And number two, there's a lot of damage that can be done in moments of anger that I don't think are intentional. And I'm not saying that I don't react out of anger, but I typically don't let it be shown as anger. So sure. I might be, I'm pissed off. I'm going to change uh, a couple things in the team in the background, but I'm not going to go scream at a teammate. Right. And so I don't know if that, that makes sense, but that's something that I, um, I, 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 now I, um, I'm definitely a challenger, so I'm not afraid to debate something. If you say something, I'm like, I don't know if that makes sense. Right. I probably have rubbed, rubbed a few people wrong because I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Not in a negative way, but that like, but there's a huge difference of being like, I, so I just can't stand seeing leaders do that. And after having employees, I'm not that old, but almost over a decade now, I don't see many circumstances where warranting volatility or war warranting ever makes sense. Right. Um, so yeah, good for you. Yeah. That's it's, I, you hope that those things don't happen in the workplace anymore, but I, you know, can tell you chapter and verse, you know, we were, my husband and I were talking last night about like, what's the meanest thing like any, a boss has ever said to you <laughs> again, yeah. not suitable for primetime podcasts. Uh, some sure. of the, yeah, no, like. And, and again, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there's probably moments. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. right. I'm sure there's moments that employees would look at me and be like, well, you were pretty intense then. That's mine to come in and say, look, either, you know, that let me address that. Let me apologize for that. Moments that it does happen. I tried very quickly to be like, can I take you out to lunch? I, I owe, I owe you an apology, right. Right. but that's something I, I spend a lot of time. Sure. It's making sure that that doesn't happen. I, I have to say just like anecdotally, it's, it's, it's rare to hear somebody in, in leadership say, I, I, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And I owe you an apology. Like, good for you. Yeah. It's rare. Yeah. And there's probably plenty of things I need to apologize for that I haven't. So I will acknowledge that, but yeah, I, I, I you can diffuse a lot of scenario and, and careful. I want to be careful that this is not coming across as weaponizing, but you can, you can diffuse a lot of scenarios where even if you weren't wrong, or even if you, if you had a confrontation with somebody saying, look, I'm not necessarily apologizing for the way that I was for the stance that I was taking, but I do want to apologize for the fact that I might've misunderstood something 
or I might have not articulated it in the way that I wanted you to hear it. And maybe it's not an apology, but it's saying, look, there's some things that I feel like I might have missed. Yeah. Correct. And I, I, it's, it's remarkable how many relationships you can salvage, deals yeah. you can salvage, friendships you can salvage. Like, and I, again, I don't want to weaponize that, but it, it, it can go a long way if you're not afraid no, to humble yourself every does. once in it's, a while. It's a, it's, uh, it's a good thing when you can be the person to extend the olive branch and not in a way that it feels, you know, disingenuous or like you said, weaponized, but in a way that just really truly shows you're after an outcome rather than, uh, you know, you can win the battle or you can continue to fight a war and neither one are, are great options. So, uh, can I add one more? Can I add one more that I just thought yeah, of? Yeah. Um, the other, the other thing too, that I I've learned is, um, I believe that majority of problems that exist in the world come from, um, unvocalized or unarticulated expectations of people. And so something that I've made a huge amount of effort towards, and this kind of goes in line with both things, but I don't believe you have any right to get upset with somebody if you had an expectation on them that you did not vocalize or articulate. And I think that's true with relationships. I think that's true with employees. I think that's true with world wars. I think there are unmet expectations or there are, excuse me, unvocalized expectations that cause people to cause tons and tons and tons of challenges. And so that's something that I've done both among our leadership with, hey, I've got this, you know, employee, we're butting heads or they're struggling with this. First question is, did you articulate that that's what you needed them to do? Well, no. Well, then why is it their fault? And I think um, there's some just basic human like normality to that. But I, I think I think we can all improve drastically if we start to vocalize our expectations of other people. And there's a fair fair level of expectation of other people. Hey, Matt, you're going to be on this podcast. I have a certain level of expectations that you're not going to be sending an email the entire time. Got it. Perfect. Good. Right. So, but exactly, exactly right. You can tell when somebody's totally distracted, but I think, I think, um, in leadership as friendships, as relationships, I think if we all could do a little bit better of a job of vocalizing our expectations of other people, I think you're gonna have a lot less disagreements and you're gonna have a lot more, Oh, that makes a lot more sense now sort of moments. So, so I want to talk about wedge, but does wedge help companies realize like that in the beginning, some of the processes that can help align expectation uh, in a role from the job description and transparent job description is transparent salary requirements and all of the things that are, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, in the, in the HR buzzwords right now, do you guys help with that? Um, it, should you be helping with that, I guess? And here's where I want to start talking about wedge and um, how that came to be. Um, so my answer is yes, no, kind of, (laughs) because so I, I think on the, I think on the expectations front, like, um, there's this reality around companies, it's like 75 or 80% of job descriptions talk about, we want to hire for empathy, culture fit. Yet the very first thing is a hard requirement on your resume or performance or uh, or a certification in order to get the job. So really, and I hate to be this blunt about it, but if you have a hard requirement, you're not hiring for culture for fit. You're hiring right. for qualification first, right. then you're hiring for culture and fit among the qualified people. And so it's not a problem. It's a companies need to acknowledge that. And candidates shouldn't apply for a job if they don't have the qualifications that they need. Now, that that 
there aren't that many jobs that have hard requirements like that. A sales role, for example, again, I'm not talking about like a senior level role, but like sure. a sales role, for example, you don't necessarily need a certain certificate in order to be a good salesperson. But if you're uh, if you're a trucker, you might need a CDL, right? So to like, yes, you want to hire a great personality of a trucker, but if they don't have the CDL, it doesn't really matter how good their personality is. Whereas a salesperson, yes, they could have all these accolades, but really, can they vibe with the culture? Can they speak the language of the customer? Is it transactional? Is it relational? If you can understand that about the person, then all of a sudden the hire becomes a lot more easier, clear cut, or don't hire them. So we don't necessarily as it sits today. So there's certain things that we're stepping into, which is why I kind of say yes and maybe. Uh, video job descriptions, letting that happen for companies. Um, doing things like helping companies uh, distribute their, their job postings, right? So we're not necessarily coming in and helping you rewrite your job posting. Although sometimes in certain circumstances, it's like, you know, your company, not what I would recommend. So there's certainly some kind of scenarios we would help with that. But for the most part, I mean, the core business is kind of helping better understand who people are in the earliest stages of hiring. So it's a, for the most part, post resume, pre or uh, pre formal interview conversation or understanding of who that person is. So the platform just for, if it's helpful, mm -hmm. um, it's an asynchronous or one way video interview tool. So you as the company say here are one to two or three or five or 10 questions we want candidates to respond to. And they respond to those asynchronously, meaning on their phone, their desktop, their laptop, tablet, whatever, they would answer those questions. And then the results of those questions go to the company. And the idea is that not only are you, I've got a resume, now I have a little bit more about who this person is, I've seen them answer questions, um, how they respond, how they, you know, language, all that different stuff. But then on top of that, it helps um, make the process more efficient, right? So you're removing some of those, hey, I signed up for a call with you and I just didn't show up. That happens a lot. Or it took me 40 hours to finally get on the phone with a candidate uh, and they were a bad fit or whatever it may be. It, the idea is obviously an efficiency play and a let's better understand who these people are play as well. One of my favorite parts about this business is that we are starting to take on some very well-funded, very, uh, in, in long scope, these are not old companies, but we're going against some competitors that are 15, 20 years older than us. Um, and so well-established customer bases. And so it's fun to come into number one, HR, which is a <clears throat> remarkably difficult industry to enter. It a is. Remarkably. Wait, yes. uh, so we, we had a client, a uh, prospective client came on and I remember saying to the client, they were saying they're in the, they want to be disruptors in the HR space. And I remember doing a little research. We were trying to write copy and, um, and, and pull a list. And I think the copy that we wrote was sort of like, I, I can't remember, like sort of Star Wars-y and, and yeah. wasn't getting any traction. And I just kind of said like, I know it's a disruption thing, but, and I don't know if this is true, but the, the shocking sort of metric that I read was that 47% of, of the, the workforce inside of HR are white women over 50 years old. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a, it's a, it's a hard population to overcome. Like it's, it, it's, and the same thing is true. Like in the nonprofit sector, like there's so many, uh, you know, 
white women running nonprofits for, you know, a myriad different charities. But yeah, is that that's true, right? That's that's a thing. So how do you how do you overcome that in a in a space that's so and listen, if it was, I don't know, white men over 27, it would just be like any concentration of just one sort of category is is worrisome and and I mean how do you overcome that yeah so um you know I I interesting uh so I've, I've done some public speaking in the past and this is just kind of a funny little story I uh got asked to speak at uh an eight uh uh Sherm conference in Vegas and I'm not very tall and I'm pretty self-deprecating and I don't mind to be. And usually when I open up to kind of get the nerves down, I don't mind getting a little laugh, get the crowd going. Well, I touched off a couple short jokes, crickets. I mean, nothing like blank stares, just like, and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like that, that's my bit. Like that's how I get my game going. And so immediately, immediately made it. And I'm not saying that that was the, the demographic of the crowd, but certainly, certainly there, but um it very quickly shift was like okay i gotta go emotional here i gotta go like take on like let's yeah. let's get the emotions let's get the story vastly different audience reaction like right. leaned in head nodding like oh like even got a couple tears right. like yeah. so I, for for one i mean I, I think with anything it's like know your audience right and it's not always easy but um i you know i think so i, I sometimes think hr gets a bad rap i think the irony is selling to HR is really hard because the demographic of the person is supposed to be a gatekeeper. They're supposed to be a compliance person. It's a very good and important role, and but to sell something. Part of the, uh, and really compliance on the part of the company, not necessarily compliance on the part of the team. Correct. But if you're a, if you're a sales guy, you're a sales guy in anything you do, right? If you're a compliance person, for the most part, you're a compliance person, in everything you do, right? Yeah. So it, it's one of those, it's one of those things, again, oh, don't mean to overly generalize, right, but right, for right. a second. So what we, for one, the challenge is how do you sort of, hey, we're selling an innovative new solution. First thing I learned, they don't care that I'm a young CEO. In fact, that makes them hate me more because they think I'm rich, which I'm not. But they, they, it's almost like a walking in as a young hotshot doesn't help anything. Some industries that works really well, but it's not the play. The play is to come in and ask a lot of questions. And we are coming alongside as allies, not to disrupt or change your job. We're coming alongside as we understand how much you get put on your plate. We are coming to help with that. There might be a little bit of work up front, but in the long run, this is going to make your lives easier. Just That's make, a much those three sentences should be part of every single solitary, like a product ever. Like just generically. Uh, yeah. right? Sure. Right. 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 And, and and so what we learned selling into this space, fortunately or unfortunately, is once you break in, very loyal customer base, right. and for the most part. Uh, if you're selling into a company, whatever the product is, typically they don't want to talk about it because they don't want your competitor to use it. In HR, it's kind of, we're all on the same team. We're all doing the same headaches. We're not really competing for talent, although everybody is. But like, if you work in HR and I work in HR, we're not going to hide our successes. We're going right. to talk about them, right? That's why HR tech conferences are so big because it's like, somebody tell me something that works and let's go put it into place. And so- right. The challenge is breaking in and how do you go about doing that? The benefit is once you're there, very loyal customer set, 
uh, typically will make recommendations. They're supportive. They're they're here to help. Um, and so it, pluses and minuses. Once we kind of learned that, it took me quite a long time to figure that out. But once we started to learn that, it's become a an industry that I never thought I would have fallen in love with. But I hate to say it, I, I kind of have started to enjoy it quite a yeah. bit. Yeah, you can tell. Good for you. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? it's an industry that, I mean, to the point about that metric, it, it's an industry that needs some change. I always say when we're writing copy that if it's an HR uh, vertical that the subject line has to be there's cake in the conference room or no one will open the email. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's, uh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's the only time we ever saw our HR director was when there was cake in the conference room. <laughs> just kind of mess with her and go cake in the conference room at three o'clock and she'd come down and she'd be like i was told there'd be cake <laughs> i know i know i know i know none of my, none of the team members are going to listen to any podcast i'm on don't take this the wrong way other people will but my my team hates listen you know they're like okay we've heard enough of you right now actively it's all product people and so our cto is trying to rally a deadline if we do the deadline we're all going to go uh, see batman on friday or whatever it is right, and so right. very different but same exact thing it's just like let's yeah. whatever so yeah and but, i'm gonna message my old hr director and tell her i hope your ears were burning because i told the cake in the conference room story about you again today <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome so i do want to just thank you for coming on and putting up with my uh lack of podcast skills great to meet you thanks again for having me thanks thanks it was really yeah. nice meeting you too Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.